cannot. God will not let them die. So Peter alludes to this future destruction. uh, And he refers to Joel's prophecy there in Acts chapter 2. In verse 19, he said, I'll show you wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable what? Day of the Lord. He's, he's prophesying about that. And, and here as, as, uh, as Peter's talking about this and John is talking about this, all these different guys in the New Testament, they're recognizing that what he was talking about back there was exactly what was coming in the future. It wasn't just Babylon. So some say this is only referring to the locusts. Uh, and, I, and I've heard that. I've heard several people say that. But turn to chapter 2 and verse number 17. I think this clears that up a little bit. He said, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, spare thy who? People, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the who? He's not talking about locusts. He's talking about people. That the heathen should do what? Locusts come and destroy, but locusts don't rule over them. That they'll rule over them, wherefore they shall say among the people, where is their God? So I think it's, it's obvious he's not talking about locusts here. He's using that as an illustration to point out that they're going to be doing uh, much like the locusts did. Now, the locusts are a passing scourge. Uh, they come in for several days and, and then they're gone. But they only destroy the crops for maybe a year, uh, not for several years. And in Joel 2, chapter 2 and verse 25, notice it says, And I will restore unto you the what? Years. Not just a year for locusts. This years. I believe he's talking about uh, what he said in Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 11. And this whole land shall be a desolation and an astonishment. And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. And it shall come to pass that when 70 years are accomplished, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity, and the land of the Chaldeans and will make, uh, make it perpetual desolations. That's why I believe he's definitely talking about uh, Judah, because Isaiah bears witness to the fact. Uh, the New Testament bears witness to that fact. He's not talking about locusts. He's, he's using that simply as an illustration of what's going to happen in the future. First with Babylon, but then later on, as we know, the day of the Lord down, down the road. Uh, then the fifth reason I have here, it's, its strength is innumerable. And lion's teeth show that, that fierceness of the enemy. And, and if you go back and, and check the story about Babylon when they came in, uh, it was just horrible. They totally destroyed the people and were so cruel. 
Uh, then number six, Joel pointed to a spiritual condition. He, he was comparing that drunkenness. This is a spiritual, not a physical drunkenness. This was a spiritual drunkenness that Israel had, had come upon or had been involved in themselves. And God is going to deal with that. But this spiritual drunkenness prevents man from being aware. Being aware of the spiritual dangers that surround them and threaten them. Uh, as, as drunkards, several of us were drunkards before we got saved. And when you get in that, that, that drunken stupor, you don't care what's going on. You walk out in the middle of the street and if a car hits you, it hits you. If a train hits you, it hits you. You know, you, you, you're not under control. It, you're not aware of what's going on around you. And Israel has become so drunken in their, their fleshly desires and their idolatry and everything that they were not even aware of what was going on around them. They were asleep. Uh, they did not realize that the locusts that God had sent was sent there for a purpose. To warn them. To show them what was going to happen in the future. And some of this warning that found in Joel's appeal to the people who have given themselves to a relaxed, watered down substitute of the joy of the Lord. And will not only have a hangover. Uh, not just when they sober up. But they'll find themselves in such a. A web that they cannot get out. As I mentioned before, I think the first or second lesson that, that there are deadlines in Scripture. And God shows that there, people step across those deadlines. And, and I think you'll see that uh, this evening. Uh, John chapter 12 and verse 39 says this. Therefore, they... Could not believe. And say they would not. They could not believe. Why? Because that Isaiah saith again. He hath blinded their eyes. And hardened their heart. That they should not see with their eyes. Nor understand with their heart. And be converted that I should heal them. They crossed that deadline. You say, well, where is it? I have no idea. I have no idea. I think I've, I've met some people that have crossed it. And God says, look, don't pray for them. That's serious stuff. When God never convicts your heart again. I'll never forget that guy in the military and... and he was, I mean, he was under conviction over and over and, and folks of the church witnessed to him over and over. And, and, and one day he come, we come to, to, to talk with him and it, said, I can tell you the verses. But he said, it don't bother me no more. I have no conviction. I, have no, I know what you're saying and, I, and, and what you're saying is true. I have no, no conviction whatsoever. God was telling Judah, 
If you do not repent, I'm finished with you. And Babylon's coming. You'll cross that deadline. And it'll be too late. I think churches throughout America, they've, they've all be, they've become woke, whatever that word means anymore. Look at the elections. I stand there and I, I, I sit there and I say, how could anybody vote like this? Then I start getting reports of one of the professional soccer players, uh, very big, I mean, this, this guy's a big soccer player, thrown in jail and fined so many thousand euros and everything because he believed and put on his blog or on his post in Facebook that he believed in Genesis 1:27, Adam and Eve. We have become the enemy. And America has, has totally turned their back on God and anything uh, that, is, that is righteous. Uh, people don't, the churches don't preach on drinking. They don't preach on smoking. They don't preach on holiness. They don't preach on divorce. They don't preach on any of these things. Why? Because we have gotten so accustomed to them and they have so in, infiltrated our churches and our people. You live half your congregation overnight. Why do you think they have church splits all over the place? People are going to go their way and do their own thing. The Laodiceans. He says, knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? They didn't know. They thought they were worshiping God. They were singing the songs. They were preaching the message. They were reading out of the scriptures. They were doing all that. They had no clue that they were, were not right with God. And I think America is coming to that. You ought to thank God for this church. I thank God for your pastor, not just because he's my son, but... I thank God for him. I, I learn from him all the time. But we, I want you to ask yourself a question. Am I more holy and closer to God than I was 20 years ago? Or for some of us, 50 years ago? Or have I become to the culture? In Joel chapter 1 verse 7 he says, He, that nation that he's talking about, He hath laid my vine waste. Look, whenever you go against the house of God, whenever you go against God's church, <laughs> whenever you go against God's man, uh, you're not going against God, the church. You're not going against the, the preacher. You're going against God. God says, I own them. It's mine. And when this nation came in there, 
just like the locust devoured all of the, the vegetation and everything, he said, that's my vegetation. Those are my people in Judah. He said, you put your hand on them. He said, you're touching what's mine. And God warns us against that. He hath laid my vine waste and barked my fig tree and he hath made clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. The vine which produced the wine is gone. It's barked. I mean, I mean the, the whole thing is gone. When you take that bark off it, the, the plant's going to die. It's dead. You bark a tree. You don't have to cut the whole tree down. Just cut, cut the bark around. And it'll be dead. Totally destroyed. And God has taken the ability to have pleasure, to get wealth, to get health or have joy. It's all gone. When you think and you read the book of Revelation and you see what man is going through in that book of Revelation. It just, it just, it makes me cringe. And we're not going through it. But to think that of what man is going to have to go through. It keeps pushing you on. Yeah, we had a missionary the other day. Pastor went to school with him, I believe it was. That was shot, killed right in front of his family over there in Iraq. Nothing new. We've had people killed in Uganda. Guy used to work for or work with drilling wells. Blew him away. He said, well, why, why do you stay? Why do you keep going? Because we know the end of the book. We know the end of the story. Without Jesus, I'm, gonna, I'm going to heaven. I'm not going through all of that. But they will. If we don't get the gospel to them. And I don't know about you, but that, that disturbs me. And Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, I better shut up before we get into mission conference. Amen. God's the one that owns the land and the vine and the fig tree. He allows all this invasion of the locusts just to bring a message. He allows Babylon. He moves an entire nation to come down and take Judah captive, taking them out of their land. Many of them killed. Many of them are are. are, are are made eunuchs. Many of them are made slaves and, and, and suffering horribly. God allowed that. For one fulfillment of prophecy, God had a king move the entire world to come and be taxed in Bethlehem and the other cities around just to bring Jesus to Bethlehem where he could be born. God will move entire nations trying to get his point across. I'm glad we didn't have a red wave. Why? Because 
we need awakening. We need to come off our high horse. We're not so hot. And God, I believe, is trying to get our attention. If you can't, if you can't see what's going on and how people are thinking, you've got half the people in America thinking this stuff now. Used to be just a handful and they just shouted real loud. No. They voted real loud. You know what New York voted for? Crime. Bring it on. You know what Pennsylvania voted for? Let all the prisoners out of the, out of the prison. Let them come out. That's all right. You keep them in Pennsylvania. I don't want them here no how. What are, they, what are they thinking? They can't see. They're unaware of what's going right around them, and they cannot think straight. Have you ever thought what it's going to be like when the shelves are bare? I mean, we had this little pandemic here a while back, and and I still think a lot of it was overblown. It was real. No doubt about it. But you had people ready to cut each other's throat because they didn't get no toilet paper. I mean, they panicked because they couldn't get something off a shelf. When you read what's going on and what's going to happen, it is so much more severe than all of that. Now, at that point, when there's nothing on the shelves, when you have no water to drink, when there's no electricity, when there's no food to eat, you're, you're, out, of, you're out of everything. Are you still going to say God is good all the time? It's easy for us to say God's good all the time. All the time, God's good. But I didn't see folks saying a whole lot about God's good when they didn't even have toilet paper. And when things get really tough, we as Christians are going to face some real situations. The locusts damaged more than just the fields and the leaves and the trees that, that ate the bark and all of this. The soul of the tree, that's what the bark is. And like the bark of, the, of that tree, our soul is kind of the same way. It, when we dry up, when famine, spiritual famine comes, it brings death, it brings destruction, it leaves us exposed to greater and more heinous sin and danger. I remember a deacon that I used to have. I come back after I'd pastored the church, come back years later, just happened to be back there, and, and he died. And I was able to go to his funeral. And the pastor gets up and he says, I'll, I'll never forget it. He said, I tried to comfort him, well, you know, in his last days. And he said, preacher, I can't find the throne of God. I know it says, come to his throne in time, of, in time of need. I can't find it. I don't know where it's at. What a sad, sad commentary. 
Psalm 106, verse 15, said he gave them their request, but sent leanness unto their soul. We get what we want. We're going to get what we want in America here, what the majority of the people want. So what are we living for? When destruction comes, when desperation comes, is it going to be God is good all the time? He said in verse number 8, lament like a virgin, girded with sackcloth for the husband of her youth. Notice he says lament. That means to literally scream out. To scream out that unconsolable shock. I'm getting ready to go and put on my wedding gown and go for the wedding and you walk in and tell me my, my husband-to-be is dead. The shock of that young lady, the horror, all of her plans and all of her love and all of her everything is just, it's gone. And God says, Judah, you need to get serious about this. You need to start crying out, lamenting like that virgin that just lost her husband and all of her plans are shot. Because he said that's how serious it is. Now, instead of a beautiful wedding gown, she's got this coarse black sackcloth. That's the sorrow God was telling it, Judah to have for their sin. Used to be that bars would close here in America when you had revival meetings. Now you can't even get Walmart to close. People would come forward. I, I've seen pictures. I've seen videos. They'd come down. They'd, they, they'd flood the aisles. People weeping and crying out to God for salvation and for forgiveness and everything. What happened? What happened? We used to see that over in Africa. We, or we'd see it over in, in the military ministries when we were there. I mean the altars would be flooded and people would be crying out to God. What's happened in America? In our churches? What's changed? I'll tell you what's changed. Our heart. You can poke fun at the Democrats. You can poke fun at the, the president. You can poke fun. It's not them. We're the ones that don't get to the altar. We're the ones that are not crying out, lamenting as a virgin that her, her husband-to-be has died. We're not tender. We don't see sin like God sees sin. Romans seven thirteen says that he gave the commandment that sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. It's not exceeding sinful anymore. We laugh at it. We mock it. We like Judah have no real fear of God. Now I'm going to go through this really fast. Okay, so put your seatbelt on. Hebrews chapter 12 has, I believe, one of the par parallel passages to all this, and it's Hebrews chapter 12, and it's starting in verse number 14. He said, follow peace with all men and what? 
holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently. I mean, that's serious stuff. Looking diligently lest any man, what? Fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Look, God's grace is there. God wants us to, 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 to expect, or accept his grace and, and be forgiven. He wants to give us his mercy and his grace to lead us to repentance. But it's not, so it's not his fault. Verse 16, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. The word fornicator is one that prostitutes himself. Gives himself for money. That's what he did. He sold his, basically sold his soul for a bowl of porridge. He crossed the line. That's what the term profane means. It literally means to walk across the doorway. You crossed that deadline. He crossed over that. He cared nothing about the spiritual things of God. They weren't important to him. Verse 17, for you know that afterward when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Oh, he wanted his father to repent. He didn't want to repent and wouldn't. But because of his lack of concern for the things of God, when it was time, time for judgment, judgment fell. He was rejected, God said. And I think it's when he crossed over that threshold, just like the word says. Joel is pleading for Judah to repent. This whole thing is, is, is trying to get him to repent. Verse 18. For ye are not come to the mount that might be touched, that burns with fire, nor the blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice that when they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with, with a dart. That was physical, that physical mountain where God spoke with them. But he's talking about spiritual he said, it's a greater thing that I'm telling you, Paul says. God's not fooling around. In verse 21, he says, and so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. The meeting there at Mount Sinai was so fearful that even just listening to the voice of God, they ran back into the uh, where they were camped, could not even listen to what God was saying. They thought they was going to die. But he says, greater than this, verse 22, but ye, talking to us in the church, but ye are come unto Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, 
and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. He said, look, he says, as a church, folks, we stand before the cross, before his city, before the new Jerusalem that will come down. The angels, all the believers, his church, God himself, everything that God is, the dead in Christ, Jesus himself, and his blood that bought us. So he said in verse, 12, verse 25, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refused him that spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. He said, listen carefully. He said, obey what God's telling us. Repent. Take the example from Judah. That's what Joel's telling them. He said, they were supposed to repent. That's what the locust was about. That's what Babylon was about. That's what God was trying to do in their lives if they would just repent. And he says, in Hebrews, that's the same message to us. What he said in Acts is the same message to us. He said, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised saying, yet once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. He said, he's, gonna, he's coming back, and the day of the Lord is going to be so much worse. He's promised. Joel was telling Judah that same thing that Paul was telling us. We're comfortable in our semi-spiritual condition. Our drunken sleep. Sin doesn't bother us. We're not aware of sin around us and what's, what's going on and what's happening around us. And what God is trying to do and wake us up. And man said, well, you don't want to go off the deep end. No, you need to get ready. He says, we can weep now. Or we can weep later as we stand before Jesus Christ. We need people to start weeping like the virgin. I mean, really deep in our heart. Broken over sin. He says, repent. We need revival. Not just when an evangelist comes and we have a revival meeting. We need revival in our, each one of our hearts. We must take this opportunity before God sends leanness to our soul. Lament, fear, and repent. That's his message. Father, Pray that you'll have your way in all of our hearts. Lord, help us as we look at the book of Joel that we might see that it's not just locusts he's talking about. It's not just Babylon, but you have something that's going to take place. It may be in our lives. 
And Lord, you're going to pour out your wrath upon man. God, help us to be conscious of souls. Help us to realize that sin is exceeding sinful. And Lord, that we might repent of our sin and cry out and lament like that, that young woman that's lost her husband. God, help us to do what's right. As pianist just plays, we're not going to have a long invitation, but maybe you want to come down and just kneel down at the altar and say, Oh, God. God, help me. Cry out to him. Cry out to him. Is our heart so cold? Have we gotten so far away from the Lord, but we can't even name sin in our, in our own lives? Well, yeah, I think I might have done something wrong, but I'm not really sure what it is. We can't even name it. We're not ready to meet him. We sing, I surrender all, but do we really mean it? Several prayer requests tonight. Um, of course, I know we can.